TII item 393, May 26, 2016, iOS 9.3.3, Beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by M. Taylor. To get your own custom-made shirts, pants, blazers, or suits, download the free M. Taylor app, M-T-A-I-L-O-R, and use promo code TII to save $15 off your first order. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Brian for sending in the music in your background. Brian wrote, Hi there, Rob. Here is a song called I Can't Love You. On iOS, I use the apps Nano Studio, iMachine, Notion, and GarageBand. Most of the songs started on iPhone, iPad, and then was brought over to the Mac for finishing. On the Mac, I use the app Studio One, Logic, and Notion. You can find more of my music at ReverbNation.com slash TimFate. Regards, Brian. Well, thank you, Brian, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Sandy for sending in the artwork for today's show. Sandy wrote the following. Dear Rob, love the show. I have created the enclosed image. It is a country house near Edinburgh in Scotland called Borgie House. And I probably mispronounced it. It has been filtered through Snapseed and text created in over. Hope you can use it. Keep up the good work. Regards, Sandy Wilson, Edinburgh. Well, thanks, Sandy, for sending in the artwork. And folks, you can see Sandy's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 393 or at Instagram.com slash iOS, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section at Facebook.com slash iOS. And hey, now even in iTunes. If you have some artwork and or music that you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And I'm down, down, down on my music, folks. Please send in some music that you have created on iOS device, and we will get it on a future episode. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, I've only been able to play with one for a few minutes, but after seeing Palm's impressive presentation of its pre-smartphone at the Consumer Electronics Show opening day, I feel fairly certain the phone could just be the device that gives Apple's iPhone a run for the money. Unquote. Gary Krakow, Street.com, 8th of January, 2009. It was funny covering the iPhone back in the day, and how many analysts presumed the Pre and Palm were going to take Apple to the woodshed. So how'd that all work out for Palm? Just saying. For promo codes on episode 392, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app, Wallpaper Machine, two words. If you're interested in this app or want more info, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 392. This week, we have promo codes from the app slash service, Throttle, surprisingly spelled T-H-R-O-T-T-L-E. It's unheard of these days. Here is a review from the dev. We have lots of critical messages in our inboxes, but they're buried under mass mailings, coupons, notifications, newsletters, and when someone sells our email addresses, spam. With Throttle, you get to control who can send you email, find out who tries to sell or steal your email address, combine mass mailings into a single daily digest email, and you get to stop giving out your email address online. It works with a browser extension that automatically adds a button to all email form fields online. So when you're making a purchase and need to fill in your email address, instead of entering your real address, you click the Throttle button. The extension fills out the field with a unique random email address. 
All messages that Throttle receives for you are collected and sent to you in a single Daily Digest email, or you can read them anytime in your reading list online. But it gets really interesting because we gave each sender a different email address to contact you with, so we can detect who tries to sell your email address. You can even hit revoke access next to any authorized sender, which shuts down that unique email address. They, nor anyone that they give your address to, have any way into your inbox. Throttle is free to use, so get started today at ThrottleHQ.com. Well, thanks to the devs for their review of their app slash service Throttle, and for sending in the promo codes to their premium offering to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this service, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Throttle in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please, please, please make sure to let me know when they expire. We mentioned on the last episode that iOS 9.3.2 was bricking 9.7-inch iPad Pros with the Era 56 message. And it seems Apple was hearing that message from users as well, and they pulled the 9.3.2 update for those devices, just for those devices. If you do not have a 9.7-inch iPad Pro and were wondering about upgrading to iOS 9.3.2, go ahead. It seems to be okay at this point. And that quickly, Apple this past week released iOS 9.3.3 Beta 1 to devs and then followed up a couple days later to beta testers. As with most double dot updates, it's mostly about squashing bugs and tweaking performance. We would assume those tweaks on performance are to improve it, despite what some blogs may say. Apple last year tweaked some of the rules for Touch ID. It is now requiring you to use your passcode to unlock your device if it has not been unlocked with Touch ID in the last eight hours. That seems like much too short a window. That means for many people, if you go to bed and then wake up and you don't go right to your phone, there's a good chance you have to put it in your passcode again. I mean, unless you are a podcaster, then eight hours is fine. It's probably two more than you need and then some. But actually, um, it's not just eight hours. It's also a combination of not having used a passcode in the six days and not unlocking in the last eight hours. So that, that seems a little bit more reasonable. Here's the exact message from Apple. Quote, the passcode has not been used to unlock this device in the last six days. And Touch ID has not unlocked the device in the last eight hours. Unquote. So that is one reason why you have to put in a passcode. The other times you have to put in your passcode are the device has just been turned on or restarted. The device has not been unlocked for more than 48 hours. The device has received a remote lock command. After five unsuccessful attempts to match a fingerprint, you're required to put in a passcode. When setting up or enrolling a new finger uh, with Touch ID, you are required to put in a passcode. It is believed the, quote, new, unquote, six days of unlocking with the Touch ID followed by eight hours of not feature was added to help protect those who might be forced by local governments to unlock their devices against their will. I said, quote, new, unquote, again, because uh, according to Macworld, this feature has actually been put in place way back when, when iOS 9 launched in September. Just no one really reported or noticed it until now. There was an article from Johnny Evans over at Computer World about what to do if you have issues with your Apple Pencil not working. Having pencil issues? Well, here in one part he wrote, quote, when it works, 
it's great. But for some reason, the Bluetooth pairing between the iPad Pro and your Apple Pencil isn't quite as robust as you might like. If your iPad Pro restarts, you may need to repair the Pencil. For example, Apple Pencil doesn't hold onto power very long. In my experience, I've usually had to charge it up after not using it for a few days, unquote. That is very, very different from my experience. I have never had to repair my Apple Pencil. And since I received it, and that goes all the way back to the fall. So not once beyond the initial pairing have I had to do a second repairing of my Apple Pencil and my iPad Pro. Per it needing recharging at best once every two weeks, at worst once every 10 days between charging, and that's when I start seeing the message, you are at 5% battery life. Maybe he uses it all the time or he just has a faulty Apple Pencil. If you have an Apple Pencil, what has been your experience with it? If you are having issues, you may want to check out Johnny's um, article over at Computer World. There'll be a link in the show notes. It goes over what to do if you are having issues. Uh, again, for me, it's been pretty much rock solid. I've been very happy with the Apple Pencil. But hey, give me a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. And let me know your thoughts on your Apple Pencil. Let me tell you about my Apple Store experience last week. I have a MacBook Pro that was causing me issues. It was right after I tried upgrading to El Capitan. I thought I did something wrong in the update. Anyway, long story short, I finally realized it was actually a graphics board issue. And to find out that Apple actually has it covered under an extended warranty. So I bring it into the Apple Store. They connect it, run some tests, confirm it is the graphics board like I thought. Tell me it would likely be five days or more to get it repaired. Three days later, they call back and say, it's ready. When I go to pick it up, they tell me beyond the graphics board, it also has a dead third-party battery in it. The DVD drive is broke. The MagSafe control board is dead. And, quote, the clutch barrel, unquote, is damaged. That is the uh, back hinge on the iPad Pro. And they all needed to be replaced. Mind you, the only thing covered under the special warranty is the graphics board but they replaced all those other items, including the third-party battery, for free for my 2011 MacBook Pro. Yes, my five-plus-year-old MacBook laptop, which is now my son's, um, had all those repairs by Apple for $0. Nothing, zip, nada. Man, I love Apple. And, and that is a big reason I have been an Apple fanboy all these years. And my oldest son is so happy to have an almost brand new five-plus-year-old laptop. Okay, switching gears. Hi, Rob. FYI, iTunes 12.4 is a disaster for screen reader users. It makes the lists of apps, music, etc. useless. Several people have reported this on the VI phone user list. At least Windows screen reader users. Not sure about Mac users. I have not updated to iTunes 12.4 because of this. Regards, Richard. And I read this because I am not an unreasonable fanboy. Richard, I find iTunes 12.4 also to be a massive resource hog, causing my fan to kick on quite often. I no longer leave iTunes open all the time, sadly. Anyway, if anyone else is having issues with iTunes 12.4, I commensurate with you. And if you are a podcaster... Understand this, they moved where you encode the file to MP3. So if you're a podcaster, it's no longer right-clicking on the image on the on the WAV file or AIF file and then 
selecting convert to mp3 no now you have to go to file and then create new version and then create mp3 version thanks apple for hiding that like that switching back to email hi rob like you i live in kansas city area lee summit went into quick trip today and noticed they now take apple pay however apple pay is only offered in the store not at the pumps bummer regards mark h well mark thank you for that heads up and by the way anyone else who lives in the kansas city area i will be speaking at wordcamp kc which is the second weekend in June. If you're interested in coming out and see me speak, I'll be talking about why bloggers should podcast. But there's a lot of other stuff there on the WordCamp side, uh, WordPress side, I should say. So again, WordCamp, KC, take a Google on that. And it's the second weekend in June and hope to see some local Kansas City folks there. We are now over 3,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came from Myron Euchre on May 20th, who posted the following, quote, I haven't decided what to think about Opera VPN yet. The one thing I really like about it over ProXPN is that it automatically reconnects with ProXPN if you are on a questionable network and your signal drops even momentarily, it will just disconnect and not attempt to reconnect. With Opera VPN, it quickly reconnects. Does anybody know if Opera VPN is as secure as Pro XPN? Is it basically doing the same thing and anonymizing the data, thus protecting from hackers while on an open network in the same way? If so, I don't see how any of the third-party VPN products will survive long when everybody has access to a free solution that works better. A couple of other things about Opera VPN. My first, my net work network doesn't seem to like it very well, so I have a difficult time accessing anything when Opera VPN is enabled. Second, if you are a T-Mobile user, you wouldn't want to use any VPN client when you are on LTE. If you do, they won't be able to detect that you are streaming video or data, and you will use data when normally binge, when normal binge uh, on, which would not count against your plan, unquote. To which there were a few replies. Lawrence McFarlane replied, quote, I just downloaded Opera VPN and before enabling it, I read through some of the privacy policies as well as the linked surf easy privacy policy. It seems that although they protect your data from other prying eyes, they retain the right to use your data for marketing purposes. This is not end-to-end encryption. It is instead routing everything through a server that seems to be reading about your interests just as Google does, unquote. Myron replied, quote, so free isn't really free. And this deal for a lifetime subscription to Pro XPN just is looking a little bit better now, unquote. And then Tim Breitbach replied, quote, I used to have Pro XPN, but in both iOS 8 and 9, it was buggy and would disconnect frequently for me. Also, I would switch on VPN settings and it would try to connect but fail. A second try each time was successful. I jumped over to a trial of Cloak last month, and that's spelled C-L-O-A-K, and loved it. Auto-connect options, no annoying bugs like I had been experienced, so it was great. They have a free trial too, unquote. Well, thank you, Tim, for the heads up on Cloak. Since uh, the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TAI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it's the most of a Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go today to 
todayinios.com slash community. It's todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community were these comments per the last episode, which I always pin the last episode at the top. So it's easy for you to go ahead and add comments there that I'll read on the show. From Fernando de Leon, quote, on your last podcast, you had a recording of another podcast, Microsoft related. I enjoyed that format. Any chance of having a similar format for today in iOS? Unquote. Fernando, that was an interview I did with another podcaster where we both were asking questions of the person from Microsoft. One more of those coming up on the next episode, but it, it was not of another podcast. It was an interview I was doing with Joshua from Android Authority. From Francisco Tapia, quote, Hi, hi, Rob. Uh, it's a test of loyalty to have to listen to unclean audio of the podcast. Please, please, please clean up future interview podcasts, unquote. Francisco, it's hard to clean up interviews done on a show floor with a lot of background noise, and that is random. However, that said, I spent a bunch of time on this last interview, and the sound is great compared to the last three. I think you will be happy with the results. From Fernando, quote, is it still too late for what I wish for iOS 10? Unquote. Well, not if you mean giving it to me to talk about on the show. Not at all. I'm taking ideas, wishes, desires for iOS 10 right up to the episode before WWDC. Bingo card will not be made up until a few days before. Please call in with your ideas. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Hey, I paid a pretty penny to rescue that number, folks. Give it a call. All of a sudden, you guys now don't want to use it anymore? I know it's uh, pre-WWDC doldrums and all, but please call in with your thoughts on iOS 10. From Mike Pompo Pompa, sorry, Mike, um, per the artwork from the last episode, quote, that mushroom is called Amanita muscareri. Uh, I totally messed that up like I did your name. And it contains toxins and a bit of psychoactive chemical. Go ask Alice, unquote. And last, again from Fernando Dillon, Quote, just listened to the podcast. Really very good interview. Didn't know Josh from Android Authority was part of the same network as TI. Good to see. Hoping to hear more from this interview and these interviews in the future episodes, unquote. Please note, today in iOS is not part of any network. Just that we thought it would be fun to get an iOS guy and an Android guy to interview a Microsoft guy. There is one more interview left from Microsoft Build. It will be near the end of today's episode. And again, it is Josh and myself interviewing someone from Microsoft. Or as I like to say, it was the Borg and the Dominion and the Federation all sitting down at the table together. We have a new sponsor. I have a new shirt. And it is an app and a custom tailor all wrapped up in one. It is M-Tailor. M-T-A-I-L-O-R. You can find the app in the App Store. This is a really cool service. It's an iOS and Android app that uses the camera to take your measurements. You simply lean the camera up against the wall and it gets, you get it to the correct angle, which is really easy to do. They have a level. And then you stand back a certain distance and get your body into this little outline and you have, have your arms bent up, kind of like you're doing a um, field goal signal, but, but bent and make fists. And then you spin in a circle. And you have to be in some tight spandex or no sh and no shirt. And then it measures and films you as you're going around in the circle. And that video is then used by them to figure your exact measurements. I did this and had a custom shirt tailored 
made for me. And when it came and my wife looked at the fit and she was simply blown away. She was like, wow. She's like, she couldn't believe how accurate it was because she was there watching me while I was doing the filming. I have long arms and this is my only shirt that fits correct. You even have a choice when going through the process of picking a shirt to pick which wrist you wear your Apple Watch on. So there is a little more room on my right sleeve for my Apple Watch. Brilliant. They have shirts, pants, blazers, and suits available for complete custom builds. The shirts start at $69, but if you download the free app called mtailor, M-T-A-I-L-O-R, and use promo code TII in the app, you'll save $15 off your order. The shirts are built with premium fabric and constructed from the ground up to your exact specifications. And there are many different colors and patterns and fabrics to choose from, well over 50 different shirts to choose from. Pricing on the shirts is either $69 or $89, and shipping is free to the U.S. and Canada. And again, you can save $15 with the promo code TII. And every now and then you also see some shirts discounted like $5. Of course, if you are not 100% satisfied, you can return it, no hassle, no questions, and they will either remake it for free or refund your money. It really was fun designing my shirt, picking my fabric, my collar, my cuff, the fit, and the tuck. And my wife, again, just could not believe how great the shirt fit. Her words were, wow. You can quickly get yourself measured in the privacy of your home. It's 20% more accurate, they claim, than professional tailor, and you can have it shipped right to your door. Convenience, privacy, and an exact fit. To get your own custom-made shirts or pants or blazers or suits, download the free mTailor app and use promo code TII to save $15 off your first order. At Google I.O., Google's version of WWDC, they announced two new apps, ALO, A-L-L-L-A-L-L-O, and Duo, D-U-O. The first is a smart messaging app, and the second is a video calling app. Both are going to be available for iOS and Android. The one big feature for ALO seems to be the predictive suggested replies, kind of like what you see on the Apple Watch when you get a text message you can get some canned replies to tap on, except it seems these suggested replies are more based on what was actually in the initial text message to you. The Duo app is one-to-one video calling app. The key features they are feature they're touting is something called Knock Knock, which lets the person you are calling see live video of you before they answer. So make sure you look good before using the app to call someone because if you are not looking so good, they might now, you know, not want to answer the call. Just just saying. I can't possibly imagine people forgetting about this feature and then getting busted doing something they shouldn't have been doing prior to the call being answered. Nope. No funny stories or sad stories are ever going to come from that feature. Right now, according to Google blog posts for these apps, both will be available this summer. Hey, and speaking of Google, just found out uh, where I live, we're going to be getting Google Fiber. So I will be signing up for Google Fiber on June 7th. So if you're in the Western Overland Park area, Kansas, uh, you will have the opportunity to sign up on June 7th for Google Fiber. Finally, BGR had a post on the first look at a real iPhone. And as expected with BGR and rumors, yeah, not so good ever. This one showed a picture of the supposed iPhone 7. Not only was the headphone jack on, which was expected, it also had stereo speakers, also expected. And one thing that was also gone, the lightning port, not expected at all. And why this myth is busted. I 
only mention this because so many sent in links on this. No, no, no. BGR does not have a good or even moderately bad record with rumors. They have a Digitimes horrible record with with rumors. Batting average almost 0%. That's how bad. Yeah, they're, they're really bad when it comes to iPhone rumors. Don't worry about rumors from either Digitimes or BGR ever. Just sweep them under the rug. That's where they belong. Now, someone who is better at predicting rumors and getting things right, a matter of fact, better than BGR and Digitimes all-time combined on the rumors they ever got right that weren't 50-50 where they guessed both ways, and you take all those rumors that BGR and Digitimes ever got right, and I don't even know if that's even one, but let's just assume it's one, and you double and quadruple it and bring it up to the 18th power, this guy's got better prediction rate than those guys. And, of course, that's Ming-Chi Kuo. And he's predicting that the new Apple Watch, the Apple Watch 2, will be really the same as the current Apple Watch, dimension-wise, but with some under-the-hood improvements, but still overall not much of a change. But in 2017, Ming sees the Apple Watch S that's going to hit the market with a brand new design for a casing and much improved hardware specs. But overall, this year, if there is an Apple Watch 2, it will be a slight improvement over the current Apple Watch, and not anything that would cause any current Apple Watch owners to want to upgrade. Another rumor making the rounds this week is that Apple plans on releasing an Amazon Echo competitor, and Apple will open up Siri with an SDK. These will be announced, of course, at WWDC. We'll not have to wait long, again, because WWDC is just a couple weeks away. Said device is not just about asking Siri to look up the names of the four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or what time it is or what the score of XYZ game is, but is also to be a central hub for HomeKit. But my question is this, why do people need this if Siri is working on the current gen iPhones? Need to remember to add that one to the WWDC bingo card. I want to say a big thanks to Judy T from Ida Joe, that's I-D-A-J-O-E dot com. Judy is making me a special bow tie. This is the bow tie I will be wearing when I get inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame in July, which I'm very, very honored to be getting inducted into. This will be at Podcast Movement in Chicago. And please, if you are at the show, come by on the evening of July 6th and let's get a picture together so I can send them to Judy of myself with the bow tie and fellow TII listeners. And Judy, again, thanks so much for making this custom bow tie for me. From Myron Euchre in the Google Plus community, quote, I wanted to clarify something that was said. I think on the last episode, Rob said that updating an app via iTunes will install a larger version downloaded via iTunes, where updating over the air will install a thin version. Is iTunes not capable of repackaging the app so that it only installs the necessary resources for the device? Question mark. I have restored devices via iTunes quite often, and each time let iTunes reinstall the apps. Does that mean I would have a lot more available storage if I deleted and reinstalled my apps or restored from iCloud and allowed all apps to install over the air? That seems like a waste of time, unquote. Myron, great question. Especially for all those 16 too small gigabyte storage iOS device owners out there. So I did a little experiment. I took three apps that I downloaded to iTunes but had not installed yet on my iPhone, and then I synced them over. The apps were Messenger from Facebook, which showed on the computers 111.8 megabytes, and it was the same on my iPhone. Stream-A-Go app, and that was 58.2 megabytes on the computer and the iPhone. 
and then Duet Display, which I really, really have been playing with and really like, by the way. I'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, but anyway, uh, I on the computer and the iPhone, it was 10.4 megabytes. Then I deleted all three, and then I did an over-the-air download of all three direct to the iPhone. Messenger went from 111.8 megabits when synced over from the computer to just 79.2 megabytes when done via over-the-air. Stream ago went from 58.2 megabytes to 41, point, uh, 41 even megabytes, and do it display went from 10.4 megabytes to 7.7 megabytes. So Myron, yes, absolutely. If you want to save space on your iOS device, you want to do the over-the-air downloads, not sync from your computer and iTunes app downloads. Again, great question, and it was fun seeing that this is a great way for those with the 16, what was I thinking, gigabyte iOS devices to save some much, much needed storage space. Basically, it will save you at least 20% of app storage space, if not more. Hi, Rob. I just finished listening to your latest episode, 392, where you discuss the new Google keyboard for iOS, Gboard. I have a few concerns I hope you can answer and or share with listeners. We know Google is a producer of the Android operating system. We know Android is not particularly adept at security, including malware in the Google Play Store and other security vulnerabilities. We know that Google is the creator of the Gboard app for iOS. Therefore, doesn't it follow that since Google makes insecure Android and Google made Gboard, then the Gboard app will, would be insecure? In particular, when the app asks for full access, as all keyboard apps require, what are the risks of using Google Keyboard on an iPhone, especially this keyboard since it allows you to search Google from directly within the keyboard? Doesn't the full access allow Gboard to log your keystrokes, search keywords, or any other information you may text, email, etc. from your phones? Would we not be safer if we just use the stock iOS keyboard instead of Gboard? I'd like to try third-party keyboards, but Gboard in particular scares me because of Google's past policies on selling user information, which they may be collecting through their new Gboard application. Appreciate your insights and thoughts on this. Cheers, Mike. Mike, thanks for the email. And yes, Android is a security nightmare. It's a complete disaster, cluster frack. And yes, the malware is inside the Google Play Store because they don't do as much checking as Apple does to scan apps to make sure they're not as malicious. Now, that said, Apple is checking the apps and looking to make sure that they are secure. Does that mean it's as secure as your stock app for or your stock keyboard? Absolutely not. Nothing is as secure as your stock keyboard. Any third-party keyboard could be malicious. Um, it's no guarantee that any of them out there aren't. But that said, Apple does look at the apps, and you have to believe that Apple's doing their best job in policing it. We know they're doing a lot better job than on the Google side. Do I worry about Gboard tracking everything and then selling my data? <sighs> You know, I don't believe that it's going to be a security issue. That doesn't mean it won't be a security issue. If privacy is really of your utmost importance, then yeah, lock down and just stick with the regular app and don't use any keyboard apps. But Gboard does seem to give a really nice feature. And it's one, again, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I doubt highly that there's an issue. But if you are in a situation where you can't even have a 0.1% or less issue you know with security 
then yeah, stay with the stock app. Don't go with any third-party keyboard. But if you are have a little bit of a tolerance, and, and again, it's likely not an issue, then Gboard is something you should take a look at. This week for Kickstarter, there could only be one choice. The Pebble 2 Kickstarter page. Well, actually, it's the Pebble 2, the Time 2, and the Pebble Core. They're all on the same Kickstarter page. They had a goal of $1 million, and they have raised well over $7.5 million, and you have until June 30th at 12 a.m. Central Time to get one of these devices or all of these devices. I should point out, it seems strange, the timing right before WWDC, maybe Pebble wants to get this out there prior to people seeing the new Apple Watch, if there's a new Apple Watch. Per the three devices, there's the Pebble 2, and that's a smartwatch with the black and white display, so that's more along the lines of the original Pebble. Pricing starts at $99 for the Pebble 2. Then there's the Time 2, and that has a 53% larger screen than the Pebble 2, and it's a color screen. Pricing for it starts at $169. Note, the battery life is actually better by a couple days for the, the Time 2 with the larger screen and color screen than it is for the original Pebble. But in either case, battery lives blow away what you get with the Apple Watch. Finally, there is the Pebble Core. It is the device for tracking the distance you walked or ran, an emergency SOS with location. You can even stream Spotify while on the go and even make voice notes. And it has an SDK that they want you to go out and hack for it. Pricing starts at $69 for the Pebble Core. Again, if you want to learn more about this, you can go or search for Pebble 2 at Kickstarter or in the show notes for episode 393 over at todayinios.com. Into the email bag. Hey Rob, continue to love the show. I wanted to tell people about a problem I had with the app, Interact. The app allows you to create email groups, a feature which has been missing from iOS and something I wanted, perhaps because I did something wrong. I hit the done message after the group message was created and all of my contacts went away. I did something, uh, don't ask me because I have no idea what I did, but got them back once. The next time this happened, I got them back by checking my iCloud settings and was able to bring them back. The problem may be with me, not the app, but I'm not sure. The question I have as well, where can I find information about creating function keys on smart keyboard for my 9.7 inch iPad Pro? Many keyboard functions require function keys, which the keyboard lacks. Are there any workarounds? Thanks as ever, Jan B. First, if anyone has any experience with Interact, give us a call, shoot us an email. Second, if anyone knows how to get a function key on the smart keyboard for the iPad Pros, either size, let us know how you did that, because that's something I'm interested in as well. Give us a call, shoot us an email. Hi Rob, recently Apple pushed the latest update to my phone at midnight and bricked my phone. Tried to restore the phone in recovery mode, no joy. Got an error message first time during a restore. Then from that point on, my phone would not be recognized by my laptop or show anything on the screen at all. Booked in to see Apple. I was eight months out of warranty, expected to get a price for repair. I told them the phone died during the last update, explained I purchased the phone myself, and they just gave me another iPhone 6, 128 gig for free. No drama, no hassle. Very impressed. Regards, Ryu. This next one's definitely for Mike from earlier in the show. There was a blog post at germanpearls.com titled 16 iPhone Settings to Increase Privacy and Security. And they are... Turn on Find My iPhone. Use a passcode. Use a more secure passcode. 
lock your iPhone when not in use, tell Siri who owns the phone, add in, in case of emergency contacts, add important media ID info, stop your iPhone tracking your location, control the info apps can access, erase messages, limit the information shown on your lock screen, limit what is shown when your iPhone is locked, don't record location info with photos, don't send diagnostic info to Apple, turn off share my location. Whew. What are some others that you can think of next? How about, let's see, turn off AirDrop or turn off Wi-Fi when not at home or work. Give me a call with your suggestions for improving security, 206-666-6364. Hello, Rob. I know this topic has been discussed a bunch when going overseas, but I never really listened much as I've never traveled there. However, we are going on a cruise for the first time to Belize, Cozumel, etc., and was wondering what is the best options for phone calls and internet service while cruising and in port. Both me and my wife need it. We currently have AT&T. We don't need Netflix or anything, but do need general internet surfing, texting, and phone calls. Any help or guidance that you can provide would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Don from Gardnersville, Alabama. Hi, Don. Per the last time we talked cruise ships and apps, that was back in episodes 378, 379, and some answers to the questions at that time start around the 20-minute mark of episode 379. But what you will find was not the same question you had. They were looking for apps to message each other while out at sea. Your question is more along the lines of best roaming plans for cruise ships, and I think you will find once out to sea, you are stuck with the cruise ship's own service. But when you get to ports, then you will want to look at roaming services. So there really is a much, this is a much different question than from what we had end of last year. As such, if anyone has been doing cruises, especially to Belize and Cozumel and that general area, let us know what you suggest for Don, which service. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. It's 206-MOONDOG, or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Up next is the fourth of four interviews I did at MS Build. This interview was done on the floor at MS Build, so there is some background noise. I did a little extra cleanup. This one, there are three of us in the recording, and we all are using Pro headsets, feeding into a Zoom H6. This interview is with Matthew Henderson from the Azure App Service team from Microsoft and Joshua with Android Authority and myself, and runs about 15 minutes. Thanks again goes out to Microsoft for flying me out to cover Microsoft Build. Without further ado, here we go. We're back again. I've got Joshua with us for this episode as well. So we're back, Dominion, Borg, and Federation. Matthew, say hi, introduce yourself here. Yeah, so I'm Matthew Henderson. I'm a program manager on the Azure App Service team. Uh, and we are a cloud service that helps people build uh, mobile applications. Now, building mobile applications. Now, we were talking just before the show <laughs> that I myself, you know, an Android consumer, talk to a lot of consumers on the Android Authority podcast, Obviously, there's not going to be as much knowledge on my end of the spectrum about what Azure does and how it works. But, you know, you, you already entice the mobile side of me by talking about mobile app construction, mobile app platform. Education. This is what this episode is probably going to be more like for us than anything else. All right. Sounds good. So, so yeah. Treat us like we both know nothing about what you do. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> With mobile applications, you know, we now have a large variety of devices that you can target and things like that. Um, and it's a lot of interesting challenges for developers. You found a lot of people who've just become, you know, client developers. These are guys who, you know, they live in Java, they write Android apps, they live in Swift, they write iOS apps. 
they often don't necessarily have as much experience writing things to do things in the cloud, to do connected uh, web services and things like that. Because, you know, a lot of the great applications that we see around nowadays have some sort of service component. They're going out, talking to the internet and getting data or, you know, allowing me to sign in and things like that. And those kinds of capabilities are something we want to make sure that every developer is empowered to actually add to their applications. Um, so that's kind of what we do in Azure App Service, particularly the mobile apps component. You know, we have services for uh, actually working with data that you're storing somewhere uh, in the cloud, as well as having users sign in, uh, sending push notifications so you can get that nice toast message on your phone, um, and things like that. Just kind of really trying to make that as simple as possible. Okay. I'll start with what are some examples, we'll just assume uh, some apps out there that are using your service, and we'll assume that they've already signed the waiver said that you, so you can mention them. Um, <laughs> so so it, are there some apps you, that people may know of that would be using your, your service? Well, so we actually, a couple of years ago, brought John Gruber and Brent Simmons in um, for, to talk. They actually built their Vesper application on top of uh, Azure at one point. So that was a really cool case study to work with and uh, get things together for. But, you know, I don't have put so many, so many uh, things that I can actually comment on in terms of uh, disclosure. But um, we certainly we want do you to run up to the line and just, like, stay yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we do have, a, I mean, majority of my customers are not writing Windows apps. They're writing iOS. They're, uh, you know, we do have a large portion of Android developers as well. Oh, sure, yeah. But, um, like, by far, the, the, like, the, the biggest thing I've seen is actually iOS developers. And it's really cool um, from you know, being a Microsoft perspective. Mm -hmm. um, it's really cool to actually be engaged with developers all over the place and people working with very different tech stacks and things like that. Okay, what type of app and application? What, what are some of the things they, they would be doing? Yeah, so um, you know, we, we run the whole gamut. Um, obviously, being Microsoft, there's definitely a good push for enterprise. And right. We are really good if you actually want to make a set of apps to you know, give to employees of your company or things mm -hmm. like that. But also, you know, just going down to you know, simple games, uh, being able to you know, just write uh, what we call sometimes a, a transactional app where you know, I'm going in and I'm going to do some activity, you know, like add things to my grocery list or things like that. You know, it runs the whole gamut. I mean, app development's gotten very, uh, very broad in terms of what people can build. Yeah. Well, we were mentioning languages earlier, like for, for Android, it'd be you know, Java or Swift for, for iOS. Um, not, to, not to get too far off the topic here, but I'm just very curious, you know, like with, with Azure Cloud Computing, would it be, how, how would Xamarin um, sort of play into all of that, especially for development on mobile platforms? Yeah, so in addition, so, so what my team does is, you know, in addition to some of these services we build, we have SDKs that yeah. make it much easier to, from your iOS and Android applications, communicate with uh, these services that we provide and the code that you write in the cloud. You know, in addition to just writing native Java, native iOS, uh, Objective-C or Swift, we definitely see a lot of people trying the cross-platform. It's really great. Like Xamarin is actually, uh, we're very excited on our team to, you know, be bringing them into the fold um, because they're a nice way of saying, you know, I do want to share code because I want to target all the, plat uh, like I want to target more platforms. I want to get to a broader customer segment. I want to be able to have my users, you know, do something on their iPhone and then go home and use an Android tablet and have the same data. Um, those kinds of scenarios are real, but you have different, when you're dealing with cross-platform, you run into all sorts of issues, and one of the big ones is how do you make the UX look really great? And Xamarin's actually, you know, one of the really nice things, in addition to, you know, I love C-sharp, and it's a great language to write uh, apps in, but it also makes it so that I can actually write native-looking iOS UX and native-looking Android UX. 
you know, I'm not limited to some common denominator or things like that. And certainly there's a lot of great frameworks out there that do allow you to do more of a write once and it, it runs in both places, looks the same. You know, Cordova is taking off like crazy as a development uh, framework and that's using JavaScript, um, which is great if you're a web developer and you want to be doing mobile, this is a great way to transition in. So not to knock that at all, but Xamarin's been uh, a great partner to us for a very long time and really excited to have them here. Nice, nice. Anything that you guys have announced uh, at the show? So app service is more than just mobile. We're also kind of we're also enabling web developers uh, to build out you know websites or you know applications that you know connect different services together. And we announced uh, just recently Azure Functions, which is a way of instead of writing an entire application, you would write one simple like you'd write one function, one piece of code that does something. You hand it up to us and tell us when you want it to run. For example, whenever some event comes in, uh, say like, like something getting added to, um, you know, when an image gets uploaded, then you run your function and that's going to say resize it and give you a thumbnail and then store that back so you ha now have a different version in the cloud. And that didn't require you to have an entire application. That's just one Azure function that can do all of that. Yeah. And it's a really flexible tool for extending these apps um, and really giving you a lot more a lot more options in terms of how you build things out. So you don't have to do a monolithic process. You don't have to try and do image manipulation in the same, you know, in the same space that you're trying to just serve all the requests of your users. You know, there's a lot of challenges to, to those types of setups. And Functions is a great way of breaking things out and uh, uh, enhancing your, your apps. For a developer that's going to use your services, what's the cost? Is there, is there a cost? So we actually have a free tier. Um, okay. So oh. you can get started for free and, you know, make sure everything's working for you, get your development started. Um, you know, when you actually do want to move into production, and you, you know, everybody wants to build the next viral app, right? Right. So um, expecting large loads. You know, we do have several different tiers that you can choose from. And within those, you can actually scale, uh, scale out and say, you know, actually, you know, I'm operating in the standard tier. And that gives you a few extra features, actually. But then... You uh, can say that you actually want, you know, say 10 instances of standard, and that means you can handle a lot more load. But also being, you know, a managed service in the cloud, um, we don't want people to have to think about servers too much, at least from uh, the app service perspective. You can just say, here's the minimum that I want to be doing, and here's the maximum I want to be doing. You know, based on the amount of traffic I'm getting, how many people are using my app, let Azure adjust for me. So when you're at peak load and, you know, you've just... Uh, You've just gone viral. We'll get you right up to where you need to be, and that's the maximum you'd be paying for. But then, like things back off, it's the middle of the night, and your app is, you know, maybe not doing as much. Scale back down, so you're paying a lot less. So oh, interesting. You get a little bit uh, more flexibility there, but you can also have some predictability um, in terms of how things how things okay. operate. Yeah, you were mentioning uh, development for specifically Android platform or iOS platform. Yeah. What would you say to those developers uh, to be able to have them come over and? use Azure as their, their as the support for their development of their application. I mean, yeah, I, it's been, you know, we've been doing mobile, uh, originally we had a product called Mobile Services. Yeah. Um, we've been doing this for several years now. Uh, mobile Services was uh, GA'd and or made generally available in uh, 2013. So we've got several years of experience of that just being a fully, you know, supported product. Really great uptake from folks. Our goal is to make it as easy as possible for you to run your backend in the cloud build that application and not have to worry about it. 
you know, in addition to some of the nice things that we provide just from that service, um, you know, the entire Microsoft ecosystem has gotten really behind a lot of these technologies. Um, so if you're an Android developer, Visual Studio Community is available for free, and you can get the Android emulator. It's one of the best emulators, in my opinion. For I, I've been um, hearing that a lot, actually. Yeah. It's, it's really fast. I mean, yeah. the, there's a lot of great stuff in the uh, standard Android developer kit in terms of startup time. That emulator is slow. The, vi- the Visual Studio emulator for Android, amazing. So, I mean, we've really been enjoying seeing, you know, a lot of cool things come from the Microsoft stack. And they do work, be- they work great together. You're able to really dip your toes in. And like I said, this is all free. And you don't even have to be an Azure customer uh, in order to try the mobile features that we offer. Um, we have a site, uh, tryappservice.azure.com. That'll let you, you just sign in with Facebook, Google, or a Microsoft account. No credit card required. And we'll actually give you an example application that you can play around with, see how you would actually build a mobile app using Azure, um, download your client, run it on your device, whatever. Sounds good. So how long have you been at Microsoft? Uh, I've actually been here since just when we uh, GA'd the mobile services products, so around mid-2013. It's been really cool to actually be a part of this intersection of mobile and cloud, um, two very exciting areas. What got you into development? Uh, originally? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's just one of those things where I knew I was going to do some engineering discipline. Okay. Uh, took my first computer science course, fell in love with it. When I was looking around, Microsoft has a lot of really cool options in terms of the things that they're doing, especially, you know, over the few recent years, they've done a lot of really cool new things. Um, they have a great positioning in the cloud, and that seemed like a really interesting space, and uh, I haven't been wrong there. So, <laughs> right. so what's in your pocket? What mobile device? Uh, I'm carrying a uh, iPhone 6s. Okay, well, I'm gonna go look that way. What What's one of your favorite apps? It's, it doesn't have to be the I, favorite. Just just one that you like. I use love, often. I love Overcast. I really do. That's kind of uh, Marco Ament is a genius. I mean, he, yeah, Marco is a genius. Overcast is a great app. Joshua, you you don't get to appreciate that on yeah, the Android really side. It, yeah. It's it's I, Overcast is probably the best mobile podcatching app out there. Oh, it's a really, podcatcher. Okay. Yeah, it's a podcatcher. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now we'll, we'll, we'll just, I, I got it, since you brought up Overcast, what is one of your favorite podcasts? Ooh. So I actually really do enjoy the talk show uh, with John Gerber. That's a, okay. that's a big favorite of mine. I dabble all, all over the place, so through kind of uh, listening to some of those and meeting some of the people who get brought on there, found out about all Jason Snell's stuff with The Incomparable. So you know, a little less maybe on the tech side, but a lot of fun. So okay. uh, Hey, there's a whole breadth of stuff out there yeah, you know, yes, and yeah. when it comes to podcasts. No, podcasting is a really great space. Uh, I've been enjoying. Uh, and, and to your point, Overcast may be great. No, I should check it out. But uh, Pocket Casts for me. I'm a Shifty, Shifty Jelly Pocket Cast yeah. is big. And then uh, Podcast Addict is, is really taken off on the Android. Uh, yeah, for sure. What we see in stats. But now we're really <laughs> geeking out on the podcast stuff. <laughs> and that's what we were doing earlier before the show, talking about the audio and everything like that. So hopefully the audio sounds perfectly fine because we do have a very loud speaker right outside. And, and flat walls, which could be amplifying it. But yeah. we'll find out in post-production. With no roof. <laughs> yes. But that's so okay. what app do you have in Azure right now? Or do we have to sign an NDA to know that? <laughs> uh, so I actually don't have any apps on the store at the moment. Okay. Uh, I've done a few that I've you know started up and then uh, brought back down just because one of the things about app development more than just the cloud technology is you know making sure that you have a sustainable business model and you're able to actually continue funding that even as a hobby. You know making sure I can continue to dedicate time to that and uh, make sure I can accommodate you know whatever resources I need. So certainly there's a lot a uh, lot there as well, but. Um, definitely enjoy it. Um, I probably spend more time just talking to developers rather than writing the apps myself. Oh, sure, but, yeah. Um, and I imagine the, uh, so she, I mean, it, it, it kind of blew my mind earlier. There's a free tier for, uh, 
for Azure. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm a little bit naive in that sense, but like, you know, the cost of production, the cost of maintenance uh, for, for something like a mobile app, it just seems like... Oh, it's a gateway drug. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, like, you're not, it's not going to be able, you know, the free tier has limits and it's yeah, not yeah. going to let you do something like, if you get featured in the app store, free tier is not where you want to be. But it is a great way to get started, see how things work. You don't have to really worry about any strong commitments there. As you do, you know, maybe a soft launch or get things going out with like Test Flight or Hockey App, you know, start distributing it. That's a great way to do it. And then as soon as you're ready to go into production, we have, you know, all the scalability you need. Okay. Oh, so interesting. Like this is, I'm learning so much about this, this side world, you know, like, and I always wonder like, is it, is it too late for a guy like me? Is it too late for me to, to, to get into development or no, anything? I, I'm like, uh, I'm like a kid that knows nothing of English. Like I have no knowledge of any of the languages. I don't have any, I mean, mobile's been a really great place for, I think a lot of people to start. I feel like there's a lot more developers these days just because of the explosion of things like uh, iOS and Android. For sure. Um, for sure. So, I mean, there's great content out there just from the, those companies themselves, but then also there's a lot of, you know, a lot of communities that have been built up around like providing really great tutorials on how do you get started, like create that first app. All the tooling is free to get going with. It's worth just dipping your toes and seeing if it's something you like and uh, get that next uh, great app out there. Where is the best place for developers to go to learn more? Uh, for Azure App Service, yeah. uh, certainly they can go to azure.com. Uh, if they go to azure.com slash mobile or uh, that, like that URL that I mentioned before, tryappservice.azure.com, um, they'll see our mobile apps offerings there as well. All right, cool. Well, hopefully some of the Android developers out there will take some of what you said to heart because it sounds like there's a, it's a great, like, a, like an incubator of sorts, a place to be able to just try, yeah, try out what's available. Yeah. All right, well, I feel like I learned a lot today. All right. <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you all. Yeah. Thanks again to Matthew and Joshua for coming on the show. And once more, the recording was done with Pro Headsets and recorded on Zoom H6 with, well, a little bit more than a little cleanup on the audio. For more info, go to tryappservice.azure, that's azure.com, and azure.com slash mobile. And if you want an Android podcast to listen to, search for Android Authority in iTunes. Who's on first? Correct. Who is on first? Who's on first? That's right. Who's on first? Right. That's the man's name. Thanks again to M. Taylor for sponsoring this episode. To get your own custom-made shirts, pants, blazers, or suits, download the free mTaylor app, M-T-A-I-L-O-R, and use promo code TII to save $15 off your first order. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant about something else, an app or product review, Good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are looking for more music. We're out of music, so please send music. It's your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com community. Finally, check out the newly updated TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released because you never know when they're coming out. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Bye.